you know, you find what you love to do and then you just kind of relentlessly pursue it. And that's what I've had a lot of success with is like, you know, I may, if I, if I'm not running, like, because I have to travel for 18 hours in a plane or something, I'm doing pushups in the galley and like stretches and like step up. I'll wear my backpack full of my stuff and just walk up and down the steps at the airport for a half an hour and get a good sweat on. It's like, there's, there's always ways to do things. It's like, I think so many people find excuses or, or find reasons why they can't do things, but if you look for it, there are, there's, there's ways to get things done no matter what. That was Mike Wardian, and this is the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. Today we are coming to you from the base of the Wasatch Mountains in Provo, Utah, and I'm recording this on the morning that we'll be launching the episode, which ideally, of course, as an ex-perfectionist, I like to have everything done prior to launch day. And even like leading up to recording this this morning, I was having trouble with the mics and all of the stuff that doesn't usually happen. But this week has been a constant series of unexpecteds. And I've been constantly reminded that I'm the architect of my life, right? That it is possible that the world will not end if this podcast goes up in the afternoon and not the morning. And we continually, BJ and I continually find ourselves surrendering into the moment this week. And the hindsight that we both have right now is that these last few days, because we've surrendered, because we've let go, because we've just been in the moment with whatever has come up, it's allowed a creation of something that's been far greater than we've ever planned. But this creation never would have happened without our willingness to let go of our schedule and remind ourselves that we are the biggest limiters in this epic life. So when we can step outside while still holding on to that grand vision, but cut the tethers that bind us, we're able to lift off and see the world from a view up above, which we're doing right now. Put it this way. Most of us are living on the basement floor and we're looking out of those small half windows. They're kind of dirty But then a few of us notice that there's a set of stairs in the corner and we don't know where they lead. And that's scary because it's the unknown. But for some reason, we take them anyway. And now we're on the ground floor and the windows there are larger. And then we see another set of stairs and that leads us up to the second floor. And now we're really starting to get a view to behold. But we're compelled to go higher and climb and rest when we need a breath. And eventually the view from the top floor is all encompassing. There are no limits there, and we can see all the roads and the possible routes. And this is how we start on the path to living our purpose, but it all starts with the first step. And that's exactly what our guest today has done. He has not only taken the first step, he has climbed mountains. He has run mountains, one after the other. Starting small, he finished his first race, and like many of us, was left wanting more. So he went longer and longer, and realized that running just may be his thing, the very thing that he never would have imagined would become the major piece of his life that it is today. Mike is not only a talented runner, excelling at the marathon and ultra distances, he's also a multi-time world record holder, father, and husband who has held the same full-time job for two decades. He describes how he balances his training and family life and the importance of being relentless in pursuing what you love. 
Racing almost every weekend in the year, Mike is constantly on the run, literally. We caught up with him at his home in Arlington, Virginia last month, just as he was returning from the Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc, where he finished Fifth American. He was so gracious with his time because I can't even imagine how precious every second is. And we're always so grateful when someone opens up space to be on the show. If you haven't noticed, we're not interviewing a bunch of duds. I mean, our guests are busy. And sometimes our requests are the same day, which really allows for an organic and unscripted experience. It's really, really cool how it's been coming together. But Mike is the perfect example of somebody who has lifted the limits on life, and he plans to just keep on going. We had a ton of fun recording on his front porch, so if you hear stuff in the background, well, it's life. It's nature. Like, you can hear the birds singing. I love it. Just really brings me back to that moment. And it's nothing that I could have ever removed from the recording because it's all a part of the experience. But before we jump into that experience, I want to remind you guys that you only have a few more days to get yourself in the running to win our October giveaway with LifeStraw. We're giving away one of their LifeStraw Go bottles And I just have to share a story that happened at the beginning of the week. In the darkness of the night, in the middle of nowhere, Utah. I mean, nowhere, Utah. Did I say nowhere, Utah? Because we were in the middle of nowhere. There was a gas station. And we brought our empty life straw bottles into the bathroom. And we put them to their biggest test yet. Lined with scum and black stains, the sinks could only be a reflection of what was coming out of the faucet. With unwavering faith, we filled the bottles. And in an act of solidarity, BJ and I simultaneously took a sip. And the water tasted absolutely delicious. The only reason it was hard to drink was because that vision of the sink is now burned into my memory, but also my belief in life straw is equally as etched into my being. So get to iTunes, leave a review, and if you win, you will never have to worry about drinking clean water ever again. Now we hope you enjoy our chat with Michael Wardian today. He is an ultra runner, a world record holder, and sometimes superhero although if you go all the way up go past vancouver and check out squamish british columbia it's probably really? one of the most beautiful places i've ever been and if you do let me know because i'm my buddy gary robbins is up in that area and but it's it's lush and do you if you do you ride mountain bikes or we used we, to. We used to. Just, we I think we lost that coordination and- <laughs> with <laughs> triathlon. But I did when I after right after I did my first Ironman. I was like, yeah, let's go mountain biking. Like I can do anything, and crashed so yeah. hard. <laughs> Clip in. <laughs> it's yeah. like, wow, this is way different than just like plugging in uh, and, yeah. and just going straight. Yes. Totally different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, un- sadly for our mountain bikes they became our commuter bikes in um in newport in newport okay. and mine ended up with a basket on the front and it got really sad and <laughs> we ended up giving them away before we left okay they didn't make the trip we have one bike yeah just one bike but each. so not, you guys have your tri bikes yeah. yeah so that's what you're gonna train on is yep. like your that's race it. bike yeah yep. my race wheels i got one pair of wheels <laughs> <laughs> one trainer. One, one pair of running sneakers. <laughs> yeah. Nice, man. Yeah, we're keeping it simple. Simple. Yeah. All right, so we're, we're rolling now, and we'll just okay. kind of like... 
Let's jump in with what you just did out in France. So I know we were just kind of talking about it, but I want to share that as well. Okay. And that's Rosie. She's yeah, that's Rosie, our Vichla. Um, yeah, so I, I was just over in uh, Chamonix, France for the Ultra Trail to Mont Blanc. It's um, 105-ish miles with over 33,000 feet of elevation gain, and it's pretty incredible. You get to run around the biggest mountain in Europe. So uh, that's Mont Blanc and you start in uh, the town of Chamonix and then you run into Italy. So you start in France, you run into Italy and then Switzerland and then back into France and you circumnavigate it and it's uh, nonstop running. So it took me 28 hours and like 10 minutes of running and I ended up um, finishing fifth American, I think, and 46th overall um, out of around 2,500 participants. And all self-supported, all your nutrition, or did they have? Uh, So they have checkpoints, kind of like aid stations like you'd see in an Ironman. But yeah, you're you're responsible. You have to carry like foul weather gear. So you have to carry like waterproof jacket, waterproof pants, uh, bandages, um, cups, uh, any type of food. You have to have a minimum of one liter of water on you. So, it, so it's it's kind of intense uh, just because you're in the mountains and you're kind of exposed. Um, if anything goes wrong, you're kind of responsible mm-hmm. for yourself. You have to carry a cell phone with the number of the um, organization in it that <laughs> works in all three countries. And and, uh, and actually, my friend actually fell off the mountain uh, in, a, in a smaller race before the big race. And so he actually ended up using his uh, emergency phone so it, it's so it's good to have yeah it's it's really wow. imperative that you you know keep track of yourself and and where you are so you got um you ended up placing fourth place in that race and like 46th place oh 46 <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm an optimist no yeah, exactly um <laughs> and was it like a because sometimes you do these races and it's like you fight for your life to hit to hit that finish line, right? Was yeah. it one of those or was it more of a smoother ride? Cause they're all different. No, yeah, totally. It was for me, it was, uh, I had a rougher patch. It starts on a Friday evening at six o'clock at night. And so then you run throughout the night and I had a really low point in the middle of the night, like, which is pretty normal. And most people kind of, um, have lower energy at, at least for me, like once it gets near your regular bedtime, mm-hmm. Um, but then I, I started feeling stronger as the race went on and I actually crossed the finish line and it was able to pick up three people, four people in the last kilometer. So it was for me, I, it was a great finish and I was excited about being able to close the race on such a high note and, uh, to really, you know, be able to push all the way to the end and to know that I had that kind of strength left and, and stamina to keep going. So it, it makes me want to look at even longer races. There's some like longer, like I did a, earlier this year, I did a race around Menorca that was 115 miles and I finished second actually overall in that. And then I won, I did 300 mile races in 29 days this summer. And I, each race I got stronger and I ended up winning the last one. It was a hundred mile race all around New York City called the Great New York. Oh my God. Uh, running expeditions or exposition. Yeah, exposition. Um, so, yeah, and then I finished second in or fourth overall and first solo division in the San Diego 100 miler in between there. Um, but right now I'm getting ready to do the balance of the world, the Abbott World Marathon majors. So I've done Tokyo, Boston, and London. And then I'm flying to Berlin at the end of this month to do Berlin and then Chicago and then New York City marathons. 
So in those low moments, yeah. So you just said you were pretty low, you know, when you wanted to get get to go to sleep or yeah. your feels low. How are you picking yourself up? Yeah, what is th- happening? Yeah, I think there's a lot of um, uh, self doubt that creeps in, like for sure. Like, am I? I'm not good at this. Like, I'm terrible. Like, why do I sign up for these things? But I love that part of it. I mean, I think that's what we're all looking for is to see, you know, where those limits are and then try to expand them. And so having the experience to know that uh, what I ended up noticing was that any time I was over 1,500 meters, so seven, 8,000 feet or so, that's not right, maybe five or 6,000 feet, uh, I would start to be just get forgetful to eat and drink. And usually it comes down to a, a... you're not taking in enough calories and you're not drinking enough. And so if you can, I had a Spanish guy come up to me at Marathon de Saab once and he saw me and I was, I had a sunstroke and I was like puking and he just goes, Miguel, bebe, comida, bebe, comida. And I always think of that, like if things are going really bad, first drink, then eat. And then if you don't feel better, then you gotta start trying to figure out what's going on. So. What I did is normally as I, normal, I just ate and drank and I started to feel a little better. And then I also noticed as uh, the altitude came down because in this race you go really high and then you climb for like a couple hours and then you descend all the way back down to the valley. So it's really these steep up and down, like you'll descend like five kilometers at a time. And you know, as I was coming down, I would feel better. And so mm-hmm. I just knew like if, it, if we were going up that I was gonna feel bad and that I'd feel better later. And I think just having that experience from doing so many races kind of gets you through those um, low patches. Uh, and then I, you know, I gave myself treats throughout the course of the, the course of the, um, the race. Whereas like I knew at the halfway point I was saving my iPod so that I would have music to help carry me through the rest of the race. And I, I allowed myself, like, instead of, like, one minute in the aid station, I said, I'll just take as long as I need. So I knew that I was going to have that reprieve to kind of get my stores back and be able to keep going. From what I've read, like, you don't really use music that much Yeah. in your training. No, um, never. Yeah. People, and I think we come across people that say uh, we put it on a plan because, you know, we work with some athletes and, and they just don't they can't do it, they can't put it down, like they need the music. They're like, what, what am I gonna be doing out there? Right. But it's sort of like a place to get into yourself and sort of sort things out and, and build that mental strength. Right, yeah, and I, I, that being said, I do use it uh, when I commute. So when I commute on my I bike or run to work, so I'll, I'll use it then, but if I'm doing a hard workout or something, I don't tend to use it. And it is nice, it's a, it's a nice treat and, and it's a way that you can um, get a get a bunch of energy. You know, if you hear your favorite song come on, mm-hmm. or like, uh, it, there's nothing better. Especially if when you pair that with like just insane views, like, and that was the other thing is like, if I don't keep going, I know I'm not going to get to see like what's around the other side of the mountain, and just knowing that you're going to have these just incredible vistas and like sheer mountains and like at one point my friend actually caught a really cool picture of it like I'm coming around out of a trail and like I'm cresting cresting the trail and I just see out of the corner of my eyes something 
and I and I, I don't want to look over because I'm not quite sure. Like it's so technical, I have to like kind of keep where I'm going. But then it opens up a little bit, and I sneak a peek, and it's just Mont Blanc, like sheer like shark fin, like granite walls, and we're above the uh, we're above the uh, clouds, and it's just breathtakingly beautiful, and, and like. I was one of those uh, moments where you're just like, I can't believe I get to do this. And we just uh, are looking at that photo now. It's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Like it's, just, yeah. it doesn't look real. No, it looks like somebody like crafted Photoshop, it up yeah. in like Pixar's like animation <laughs> studio and Disney like broadcast it with the sound of music going like in the hills behind me. So those are the type of things that get me motivated. And then also knowing like, you know, I had my family, my wife, Jennifer, and our boys, Pierce and Grant, were both over taking part in it. And, you know, you don't want to let those people down. And, and also, you know, I, I'm, I'm lucky that I have a lot of people following me. So it's, it's always cool to, like, have people cheering for you at the aid stations and also, like, being a part of the race. Like, so many people and athletes are, you know, excited to see how you're doing. And um, I'm excited to see how everyone else is doing. So you kind of have this really nice sense of community in the trail running scene and also the ultra running scene. So that is always a big motivator for me is also making sure everyone's doing okay and hopefully inspiring people to kind of do more than they think they can. I don't think people realize how much that helps when you're out there on the course and you can't see anyone in front of you or behind you and you're having a low moment to think about your family at the finish line, to think about, every, you know, that they're there for you and to think about that they've been near you every step of the way yeah. to get there. And then all the fans and all the volunteers and everyone following you on face social media, like, I don't think people realize the impact that it has for an athlete when you're out there. I mean, would you say that you just pull from all of that? Like even the, the people that you just, you don't even really know. You just know that there's people out there. Like the power of that connection is so, so strong. Yeah, and I think that's one of the coolest things about it, right? Is that we get to share our journey with these people and they become part of your community, right? And then you become part of their, their community and we kind of inspire each other. And it's like this awesome, like... Um, symbiotic relationship where you kind of draw from them and, and feed them energy and then they they take it back in and um, it allows both of you and everybody to do a little more than would be possible if you were just by yourself. I mean, it's just in, incredible. And like knowing that those people are out there really, for me, I find it really helpful and I hope that what I'm doing is inspiring to people also. We talk so much about community and creating community and a big part of this podcast is being able to share story. So people understand, you know, the more and more story that we're able to share through this medium is that we're more similar than we are different and that we are feeding off of each other, right? And we, BJ and I have been thinking a lot about this idea of this trickle effect that, you know, the interactions that we're having, we're doing group events and we're volunteering and we're doing the podcast and all of that, but the the one-on-one -on -one connections that we're having with like, the head of housekeeping at the hotel that we stayed in in New York City, where I was talking to him in the hallway and he was just like, I'm so happy now, you know, <laughs> I'm so happy now. And I had no idea why he was so happy. He was just asking us what we were doing and I was telling him the story about how we're kind of hoping to raise the vibe through connecting people and, and you know, what's the trickle effect from that? Like, was he gonna go home and then tell his wife and then maybe his wife thought, well, you know, maybe I'm gonna do this now to simplify my life. Like, you just don't know the trickle effect. So 
people just even supporting you through social media that you've never met and maybe never will meet, like the trickle effect of just that clicking to follow you, like it's, you just never know, but if you're drawn to something, go. Yeah. Because there's a reason you're supposed to be there and it goes both ways, you know, that you're pulling from them and, and it's this de- detachment of just living that line of life that feels in alignment with what you're supposed to do here on earth and know that like you don't have to worry about who you're affecting or who you're inspiring or you know or the other like sometimes people will go in the other direction because they just kind of can't handle what you're doing maybe don't believe in themselves enough to do it but you just got to keep going right like you just have to keep going on that line of what you feel is the next logical step in your life totally yeah and for you clearly it's you race a lot Yes, I do. I race probably 40 to 50 times a year, uh, all different distances from like one mile races up to like 135, 150 miles. Uh, hopefully at some point, 200 mile races. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of those things where, um, you know, I want to, I want to keep exploring what's possible for me, like in different conditions, different circumstance like next year i'm gonna try to do seven marathons on seven continents in seven days which seems like it should be pretty easy but then you multiply seven times 26.2 and that's like probably one of the biggest weeks i've ever had in my life so like that's 183 miles and that's with travel and the logistics uh, of it all yeah planning like the the logistics are um, one of the factors, but also just like staying healthy. Like you know, anything can happen. Like we were just talking before we got on air. Like you can be super prepared. You can ride the course. You can run the course, and you know, you eat a bad apple or you <laughs> have a bad plate of pasta, and all of a sudden <laughs> your race is in jeopardy. And and you know, I've I've had to battle through that in various places. I had that in Ethiopia. I had that in Peru before. I had that before the race I we were talking about earlier at Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc Thursday night, you know, throwing up before the race on Friday. And it's one of those things where, you, you know, life happens and mm-hmm. you, you have to be able to deal with that and overcome whatever obstacles there are. Or, you know, there's there's other things that you can do. But one one of those factors is trying to see what's possible on the day. Yeah. We were talking about the Iron Cowboy too, which makes his yeah. which makes his thing so much more amazing too. Because you think about fifty triathlons in fifty days in fifty states. Yeah, how do you stay like? How did he stay healthy for that? And he talks about just continually training and and loading his body and loading his body. And it sounds similar to like what you do because you don't really take rest days. You, you may, but yeah, um, you run almost every day and you right. run, you do active recovery so is yeah i'm assuming that's a big part of why you're able to just keep keep moving keep pushing the envelope keep coming up with these ideas to go further because your body is set, is craving it almost it's like yeah no this is i working yeah i agree i mean i think that that's one of the things like people say what's your secret to recovery and i think that it's always continuing to move forward it almost touches on what you were saying it's like um you know, you find what you love to do and then you just kind of relentlessly pursue it. And that's what I've had a lot of success with is like, you know, I may, if I, if I'm not running, like, because I have to travel for 18 hours in a plane or something, I'm doing pushups in the galley and like stretches and like step up. I'll wear my backpack full of my stuff and just walk up and down the steps at the airport for a half an hour and get a good sweat on. It's like, 
there's there's always ways to do things it's like i think so many people find excuses or or find reasons why they can't do things but if you look for it there are, there's there's ways to get things done no matter what yeah and i think B, bj is showing that to me on a whole new level um with you know, not only bouncing from getting taken out at Lake Placid, but being like, okay, what's next? So now he's doing Louisville in October. And, um, you know, our routine is not having a routine these days. <laughs> so it's, 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 it's been really challenging and it's taken his discipline, which is a pretty disciplined guy to a whole new level to see him getting up and riding in foreign places. And, you know, today he got up at five o'clock in the morning, rode to like Georgetown and hooked up with the DC Tri Club. And I heard went, that, yeah, yeah, that yeah. was awesome. It was so cool. Like yeah. I didn't know how I was gonna get in a long ride and our friends are coming back into town and I wanted to get it done, but I just put on the headlamp and yeah, headed like, up yeah. there and it was so cool. And like, you yeah. had every excuse in the, like, well, not that you were, but you could have, we could have come up with a notebook full of excuses of, you know, not to go do that. Right, and, like you um, don't know where you're going. You don't know if anyone's going to be able to ride with you. Exactly. You don't know if the I can route. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What yeah. if I get lost? Yeah, exactly. Right, and what if, what if they go longer than, but you you did it. And so, you know, and like we're at a campsite and we're doing like step ups on the picnic table <laughs> and we throw up the swim cords into a tree and, we, you know, we're because we, there was a week where we didn't have access to a pool and so he's got to keep his training going. So I love what you said about that. There, there it's really easy to come up with excuses right like it's really yeah. easy to do that but like we don't have to buy into those excuses at all and so you're a guy who's like it seems that like you're kind of okay the seven marathons in seven days that that seems good like so what is it between getting the inspiration because a lot of people get inspiration but what's the difference between getting the inspiration and then putting it into action uh, well, <laughs> right, because uh, the excuses well, are going to come in. Or is well, it just natural? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that there is, there's always that hesitation, right? Like, especially like a big project, like the seven marathons on seven days, seven continents. Like, the the hesitation for me is like, I knew about this three years ago, and I'm trying. I've been trying to find the funding for it, and I'm still trying to find the funding for it. It's cost thirty eight thousand euros, and I think you know, with the travel and everything, it's going to be more like forty five thousand euro or forty five thousand US. And so that that's been a big hesitation. Is like the the monetary part of anything is always something that I consider. I decided I'm just going to go for it and try to figure it out as I go. And luckily, I'm landing landing. What I'm doing is I'm having each sponsor each person. If they don't, if they want to sponsor a continent, so for seven thousand dollars you can sponsor a continent. So like, if I can just get seven people to say yes, I just got my first sponsor, MedStar. Thank you very much, Sean, and everyone at MedStar. <laughs> but like, uh, I have you know quite a quite a few sponsors regularly, and so hopefully um, you know when budgets are drawn up, like they'll think of of this project. But like, I think there are so many things that stop you. Like, I just was having lunch with some guys that are doing a, a filming top trails for Hoka One One. And uh, I was telling them like in November, I'm gonna do the rock and roll Vegas marathon as Elvis to try to set a world record. And <laughs> they were saying like, that's awesome. And a couple years ago, I ran two marathons on the same day, one in the morning at rock and roll San Antonio and then one at rock and roll Vegas. And we had to fly in between. And like, I tried to win both of them. I won the first one, I didn't win the second one. And so they're like, hey, would you ever do that again? And I was like, oh, that'd be awesome. And they're like, 
you know what would be even cooler is to parachute down. And so like you're talking about inspiration and I was like, well, you know what? I can parachute down as Elvis and then set a world record in November. So like now, like I think one of those things is like <laughs> always being receptive to like, like it may not be the idea that someone intended for mm-hmm. you, but like that's a way where like we were just chatting like runners and triathletes and people that are active talk, you know, like kind of crazy talk, right? Like I'm sure like some dude, like you're talking to like you met the Iron Cowboy. He was like, yeah, I saw that guy, Dean Carnassus ran 50 marathons on 50 states. I wonder if I could do 50 (laughs) triathlons. Like I'm sure it was like, I don't know if that's exactly how the story went down, but I'm sure it was probably something like, or it was like someone like, dude, you could never do that. And he's probably like, I bet I could. Like, it's almost like when I first started getting into doing marathons, like I wanted to just do the Boston Marathon one time. That was my goal. And then I was going to never do it again. I just, you know, whatever. It was going to be a bucket list thing. And so then I was like, well, now that I did the Boston Marathon, I figured that you actually have to qualify. So I didn't know that. So then you qualify. And then I did the Boston <laughs> Marathon. And then I got kind of hooked. And then I was like, well, then I'll just do all the big marathons in the U.S. in the same year. But it was like Chicago, New York City, Marine Corps. They're only like four weeks apart. And everyone's like, you can never do four marathons in like five weeks. And there I was it is like, right there. Yeah. And then I was like, I bet I can. And I was like, well, I did that. I bet I could do a 50 miler. Like I saw someone saying like, oh, there's a 50 mile race. I didn't even know you could run 50 miles. And like, then I did that. And then like, it's kind of like all these things is like, if you're open and you're willing to accept what people are saying and and it's almost like just being receptive to what's out there because there's so much stuff out there and so many cool things that you can get into that the opportunities will present themselves. You just have to be willing to step forward and and kind of grasp them when they present themselves. And and maybe it's not the way someone intended it, but you can use that for your own purpose and kind of redirect it where you want it to be. Ah, you're so speaking our own, our language here. Yeah, (laughs) but so now I gotta find, now I gotta find someone that's willing to jump tandem with me because I don't have enough hours to do it by myself, but like, I'm sure there's another flying Elvis and how cool would that be? Like two dudes jump out as Elvis and then one guy tries to set the world record, but yeah. I love it, you just like, you just keep peeling the onion like to get into it like deeper and deeper and deeper and one thing that you you haven't said, but you, you've you've touched upon it so many times is this, and it's with, I think it's a big piece of putting inspiration to action is this willingness to walk into the unknown. Like, I don't know where I'm gonna get this money to fund these seven marathons. And it's been three years in the making. So it's like patience. Yes. Patience, patience that, you know, this, this tour that we're on, this has probably been almost 10 years in the making, <laughs> right? Of us being like, Step one, let's stop acquiring things. You know, step two, let's pay off our debt. And so you just, you gotta be patient with these inspirations because just because we have them doesn't mean they're for tomorrow. They could be for 10 years or three years or 10 years, but it's about keeping the momentum going, keep believing in that inspiration, put a visualization to it and understand that like, when it's time to take the next step, you'll know. Right. And that beyond that next step is unknown. Right, and so if you're supposed to run these, you're gonna get that funding, and if you got it from one group, you're, why can't you get it for the other ones? Of course exactly. you can. Exactly, yeah, no, that's exactly how I feel, and then, you know, if if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but if you don't try, you'll never know, and I think that's what so many people get stumbled by, right? Because 
there's so many people and and well-intentioned people looking out for you like i don't know if you remember the first time you did your first long iron man or something like I know my mom was like, don't die. You oh, know? Totally, yeah. Totally. Yeah, Extreme, yeah right? exactly. <laughs> like people die. Like they were so scared, but now they're like my biggest fans. Like, and I think that they get so much joy out of seeing me do these things. Of course. And, yeah. and it's part of, it's part of like, they know more about crewing for me. They've seen me like, puking like my dad is actually covered for me like when the race director has said like if i see him throwing up one more time like i'm gonna pull him from the race and my dad would like misdirect the guy like uh, because they know how passionate i am about it and how much like it would kill me not to be able to do it i think that there are there are a lot of reasons why you can't do something but i i love the fact that you know there are people out there showing you that it's possible like if you can dream it and I know it's cliche, but like it's possible. Like it, I mean, you guys have worked. If you dedicate yourself to something, you can make it happen. And it seems like I just read a book where it's talking about G G E uses these stretch goals and like smart things. It's basically like make a kind of audacious goal, but then figure out how to get there, right? And it's it's really powerful because like what you guys wanted to do is like take this tour, right? So like okay, like okay, that's awesome. So now how are we gonna get there? We're gonna stop acquiring stuff. We're gonna pay off our debt. We're gonna mm -hmm. make sure our car works. Mm -hmm. You know, we're gonna pare down to one cycling kit. <laughs> like, <laughs> like uh, I can do my training on my, my racing bike because, okay, it's more comfortable to probably do it on my road bike, but whatever, like I'll be really, I'll be that much more prepared than the other guy that only goes one day a week on his mm -hmm. chime trial bike you know these are things like if you want to do it it's possible you just have to make the sacrifices to do it and i tend to find is like you think of it as a sacrifice but when you're actually there on the precipice and you're living it you're like i didn't why did i need all that like beforehand like yeah it's awesome if i have four bikes or whatever but really i only need one bike yeah. or one pair of shoes or mm -hmm. Uh, one pair of shorts, really. And the, and the thing is, it's like we're living in America, so if my running sneakers, you know, die off, I can get a new pair of running sneakers. Like, it's okay. I mean, it's not to say that when we finally settle that I won't have more than one pair of running shorts. You right. know, like, <laughs> literally running in them and then washing them in the shower and then hanging them on the bike rack to right. dry. But they're made of really nice fabric. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that dries super totally. quick. Thank God. Yeah. Lululemon, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I feel like it's we were or I was accumulating things because of the what if like what if I need what if I need an extra spare tire or, yeah. or what if I need the extra bike because this bike has to go to the shop like you find a way and it's just like yeah. what you're talking about like you just find a way right like there's so many roadblocks and people stop at those roadblocks but if they just find a way to go around it or over or even through it like it can happen right it will happen it will happen yeah and I mean, I think I find that in my travels is like I did a trip earlier this year to Cuba and I brought down two duffel bags with a group called One World Running and Competitor Magazine. And we did like a cover shoot and we hiked these mountains. But the coolest thing we did was we brought shoes to these people. And you were saying, like, I can get new shoes, like if my shoes wear out or whatever. But people in Cuba, like even if you wanted to buy new shoes and you had the money, which most people don't, 
there's no Nike store. There's mm-hmm. no Hoka One One store. There's no Saucony. There's you can't buy shoes. I mean, so they're not there. So it's just like the amount of resources we have in the U.S. is just beyond crazy. crazy. Like if you just walk into any grocery store, like my wife was just headed to Whole Foods, like that doesn't exist anywhere else in the world. Like there's, yeah, there's something to be said for the luxury uh, that is the United States. And I know when I travel, like, and it's not just uh, the plethora of stuff. It's like the convenience too. Like, we were just in Europe, like we were saying earlier, and like if it's six thirty and you want uh, to go to the grocery store, like you're not. I got back from the race at midnight, and I was like, "Ah, oh, it'd be nice to eat now." And they're like, "Yeah, breakfast is in the morning." Like, good luck. <laughs> but if I was in New York City and I walked into the hotel, they'd be like, "We'll send up mm-hmm. some food right away," or I could just walk to the store. Um, so, I mean, I think. I think that's something to be said. I love the fact that we have so many resources here in the U.S., but there's something to be said for traveling so that you appreciate what you have. Oh, totally, and I think so much of my um, drive to live a more simple life has come from traveling to um, different countries. And I haven't traveled a ton, but in 2009, I went to India, and I spent some time there. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, with um, Tibetan refugees. Okay. I was teaching massage, and I remember I was uh, invited over to one of my students' houses, which was, you know, smaller than this porch. Right. And it was her and her husband and her two kids, and they were telling us their stories of um, how they, you know, escaped Tibet and, you know, as children and walked in the Himalayas at night, like, not in... Um, really hiking nice boots. hiking <laughs> boots, but like slippers if you right. were lucky. Yeah, and that trip changed me so much because I just saw happy. I saw the the true sense of what living uh, in contentment and happiness and connection and joy was really about. And we do have so much available here in the United States, and I'm so, so grateful for living here and for all of that. But I think that it's even more important for us to really check in with what we have and do we need it all and are we hoarding like a linen closet full of sheets when you really only have one pair of sheets on your bed at any given time right, right? can you maybe like donate a pair of those sheets and if you look at all that stuff as like kind of additional weight in your life it's freeing to do that and it's also i think our nature to care and connect with others and you know give that what we don't have and 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 there's like this fear, like BJ was saying, like, well, what if I need it? And what if? And there were so many what ifs in the 25th hour when we were like, oh, my God, we have to get rid of all these what ifs. By the morning. And guess what? <laughs> so many of them went in a trash can. And so yeah. we hoard this stuff because what if we need it? In the end, we ended up just throwing it away, and which really disgusted me because I was like, now what? Now all that's going to sit in the earth. Right. You know? So I think we live in the in the country of plenty, and I'm I'm so grateful for that. Like I said, but to start looking at like what is it do we really need, and and are we like hoarding things that we don't need, or we're not even using that other people could benefit from? Oh, for sure. I mean, I have two boxes full of shoes that I'm sending to my friends at One World Running, and I've collected from like my sister and a buddy, and like just my shoes, like. And what's so crazy is like, I'm gonna put a bunch of race t-shirts because every shirt, every time you go to a, a race, you get a shirt, right? Like, 
You're getting 50 shirts a year. Yeah, exactly. And like, I try to just say like, I don't really need yeah, it. Who needs yeah. 50 shirts? Yeah, exactly. Like I have stuff just, I mean, so like I started like, oh, I'm only going to keep shirts from races I win, but like I do well sometimes. So like I still have like a bunch of shirts and like, it's, it's one of those things where the amount of just material that we accumulate, just being where we are, like is... Un, unseemly really but like it's also something like I think you touched on is like there are ways that we can reallocate those resources to other people that can use them and so that's something that I think I'm trying to do and I think that hopefully others kind yeah. of try to do I mean it's it's really powerful like we took down my wife Jennifer um, went to Staples and she spent a hundred dollars on school supplies when we went to Cuba and I brought them in my bag along with the shoes and we outfitted the entire region of um, Guantanamo. All their schools came to this field day and the prizes were pencils and notebooks and pencil sharpeners and you would have think I was handing out Xboxes. The amount of excitement for like a pencil an eraser and then uh, my friend Brian brought down some like matchbox cars was like handing out iPads to people like in the US and it was so incredible and like also like tear jerking like I have a, another I have a closet that my kids have of just markers and stuff that like they don't even know is there and it's not their fault they just like that's just their reality but like these kids would you know give their left eye tooth for like this kind mm -hmm. of stuff and it's just those things like that and and i think that we're going to try to take a trip there just so they can see that because i think that it'll show them um just a different side of the world and and hopefully kind of change their scope of perception a little bit and and i don't know i think that's one of the things that people get that opportunity at some point. Yeah, I, I think just exposing them to that is, um, is, is just priceless to be able to expose them. And the fact that you get to do this and yeah. um, and then in that, you know, help out the, the local communities is so much because when you think about them bringing, you know, you're going into their community and then you're using the land around them to do what you love. Yeah. And then you can create joy in their lives by bringing them things, you know, that they don't have access to. Right. So I want to jump into something else you had mentioned a few minutes ago that sometimes you do well at, at races yeah. and you've got a few world records to say the least yes so, <laughs> some of them are well at least one of them I think it's kind of funny but um can you give us the rundown yeah uh, well I, uh, some of them have been broken but I did have the world record for the fastest marathon on a treadmill so I ran like two hours and 23 minutes and then my buddy broke it. He ran like 221. Uh, uh, nah, it's cool. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> uh, I have the 50K world record for a treadmill. I did it first time on a Spartan cruise. So like yeah. with the guys from Spartan uh, Racing. Uh -huh. I don't know if you guys have done any of those yet. We but haven't, but yeah. we're familiar. They look too dangerous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I mean, That's an tired. obstacle. Yeah, no, we go yeah. straight. Yeah, we yeah. go straight. <laughs> yeah, so no, you got to be able to throw a spear and like yeah, you gotta the, be able to like sand, move laterally. You, you actually have to like have some upper body strength. Like, 
Like I understood my role was to lose, and I promptly did. But I uh, set a world record on the on the cruise ship, which was really cool. And then um, my sponsor Hoka Oneone thought that was really cool. So then I set a world record at their sales meeting in front of all the people to open up the sales meeting, which was just one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. Um, I've set a world record with uh, you met my son Pierce as pushing him in a jog stroller when he was a little tyke maybe almost 10 years uh, probably like nine eight and a half nine years ago and then I did the same thing with Grant but we lost to another guy um, but we finished first and second overall in the marathon which was pretty funny so the route 66 marathon in Tulsa Oklahoma nice. we, we awesome. uh, yeah if you get a chance it's a cool little area so yeah, it, I think Tulsa is on the list, on the list. Yeah, yeah you should totally check that area cool. out. it's really cool uh, and then I've set a world record uh, dressed up as Spider-Man, <laughs> uh, which was really cool. And then my buddy just broke that at the London Marathon. As Spider-Man? As Spider-Man, but then he cut out the eye mask, like the eye holes and also a big mouth. So, Paul, I think your record's kind of suspect. Oh, uh, my God. Did you have, like, your eyes covered and your yeah, mouth Yeah, my <laughs> eyes and mouth covered. So, like, as the sun hits it, you get, like, the like the kaleidoscope so effect spidey eyes yeah and then it's like <laughs> drinking water you're like waterboarding yourself like it's so it's all like soppy and just really tough <laughs> um and then uh this november i think i mentioned but i'm going to try to set the world record that i'm going to try to steal it from my friend ian Sharman, but he has the world record as elvis so i'm going to try to break that at the las vegas marathon and like this my friend Bob Babbitt has like this custom oh, yeah. suit made up. So like he's got sequins on it and all this stuff. And he said he's going to get me one. So I've given my measurements to, I think it's Megan. So she might be making that for me as we speak. So I got to check in on that, but I think it'll be pretty rad. And if I can add the world uh, record as Elvis, that'll be a, a nice, uh, a nice addition to the list. I'm trying to think if I got any others. I think that's about it. The, oh, uh, I have the world record for a 50K on a 200-meter track also. Oh wow. So yeah, right away, so th that stuff just, I love that stuff. <laughs> because it just focused, it just, that mental, like, focus, right? Yeah. Basically, like, it's not like you're zoning out. You're probably in there. Like, to run on a treadmill for an hour is super challenging for people. Yeah. But yet you're running two and a half hours two or? hours almost three hours for the so, world record of the 50k world record okay. and then yeah i have someone in contacted me to try to do 24 hours on a treadmill which i haven't done yet but it's kind of exciting <laughs> to me right? yeah so i'm not sure if that's going to happen this year but uh i need to check back with my buddy rich hannah who is talking about doing it for a thanksgiving day run but thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays and usually rosie and i are the defending uh dog people champions in our local turkey trot here in alexandria so uh i would have to to um seriously consider like jeopardizing our uh our two-year two-year uh yeah. record yeah, she's really fast, and we've been training hard. So. Yeah, she looks super sleek. <laughs> she does. Yeah, I don't think, I think you're going to have to consult with her on that. Yeah, I know. You can't she's just really leave. She gets extra right bones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and she actually did an 8.8 eight, eight eight mile run today. It was her longest one yet. Wow. So yeah, speaking of family members and stuff, I mean, you're doing all these races. You've got two kids. You're married. Um, you have a beautiful home here, and you have a full-time job. Yes. 
What do you? What is your full time job? <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, I work uh, as an international ship broker at a company called Potomac Maritime LLC, based out in Dupont Circle, um, and we work with U.S. and foreign flag ocean going carriers, um, primarily carrying food aid cargo, um, humanitarian cargo to countries in need, so like Somalia, Syria. Central, South America, West Africa, East Africa, Red Sea, um, places in the Far East, like um, Pakistan. Yeah, so I was explaining this to some people earlier today, but it, did you guys ever see that movie Captain Phillips with Tom Hanks? We haven't. Mm-mm. But it was about the Somali pirates, and mm-hmm. so that was one of our vessels was the Maersk, Alabama that was hijacked. So <laughs> I uh, I got to deal with piracy uh which is something that you shouldn't have to deal with in this time and age so yeah it's it's one of those really interesting fields where i was lucky to get involved in it and it's been next year will be my 20 20th year so this is probably 22 years because i did two summers as an intern but like if you add it all together so i've been in the same same business for quite a bit long time so even before i was moving up as a runner like i started off as a recreational runner and so it's been cool to kind of progress as a runner and then also in my career as a broker and so how do you balance all that with your training and your family like what is your what is like your typical training look like in a week yeah so i do um anywhere between like 80 and probably 110 miles of running a week and then i also cycle probably 40 to 50 miles a week um and usually i wake up and get a run in and then i bike to work and then i work until 11 or 11 15 and then i go for another run and then i work until five o'clock and then i bike or run home and once I'm home, I'm just kind of a dad and try to help out Jennifer with the Pearson grant. And then um, I do that Monday through Friday, and then I'm either racing or running uh, on the weekend. Basically racing every weekend, pretty much. Yeah, for pretty the most much. Part. Yeah. So it's part of your training, right? So most people, myself included, will train for six months, seven months, and then race. <laughs> right. And then maybe get in. I haven't gotten in a race yet this year. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully in the next few weeks. So You it, did the mini try. I did do the, did mini the mini try. Oh, nice. Yeah. Which yeah. has been running for 33 years. Yeah. Okay, so cool. You never knew about it. Yeah, you've been you've been pretty hot on the racing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> for about an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so it's part of, so it's it's part of your training and that's not what most people do like they will they will train long periods of time and then race. So right. racing is part of your everyday weekly routine. So do you save your speed and, and hard efforts for that weekend race or are you doing some stuff during the week a little yeah, bit? Yeah, so um, when I'm in peak training, I'm usually doing uh, some type of track workout on a Tuesday. Uh, so usually Tuesday morning anywhere up to like 10K of track work. Uh, and then usually I'll try to do a tempo run on Thursday. Today I actually, cause I'm just coming off the 100 mile race mm-hmm. and I haven't done much running this week, just kind of more hiking and and jogging um so i did a tempo run today with rosie it was her first tempo ever she was she was, <laughs> was she picking good. it up <laughs> yeah she was yeah yeah so it was more like a fart like like yeah. one minute on yeah. two minutes off type thing yeah usually i still try to maintain some good quality runs and then still and then just not taper into the races unless it's 
it's like a big race like Mont Blanc I just ran really easy like mm, I think maybe 10 10k travel day so like three or four miles and then just running around for photo shoots and stuff like that so maybe like four or five miles before doing 105 but like it if it's a marathon usually i'll slow down a little bit on friday take it easier like 30 40 minute run on saturday and then race on sunday or depending on which day the race is that's a nice taper yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) and you also I've come to read that you sort of detach from the data a little bit. Like you use the data when you need to. Yep. But really you can just go out and run without any electronics and sort of feel, feel your way. And I feel we come across that a lot. It's, it's sort of my passion is to move away from, you know, the, the, the heart rate or the pace that you're at, because you know, you're going hard. Like I know when I'm going hard, I don't need a watch to tell me to go harder. And I learned that from um, Tim Wagner or Tim Lu- uh, Lucho, Lucho on Lucho. Uh, Endurance Planet. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. they're good. Um, yeah. I used to, he used to be my coach. Yeah, and okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we, we know Tony. Hey, Tony. <laughs> we yeah, used to live in hey. for a while. And, okay, so, yeah. We so did a talk together. Oh, yeah. That's, yep. Yeah, yeah. But he got me to, he would actually, there was one time where Tell he. Tell that story about the track. Yeah, what was it? With the track? When he had you take your walk. I love that Oh, story. yeah. That so was like really transformative for you. It was. He, um. I went on a tempo run with him, you know, a two-mile warm-up, and then it was like a 10-mile, you know, race pace yeah. run, and he was riding alongside me, and he took my watch away from me because <laughs> I was tied to this Garmin. And um, he, we, we would just check in every now and then. He'd be like, how fast are you going? How fast do you think you're going? And he would never tell me how fast I was going. I would just keep telling him, I think I'm going like seven-minute miles. <laughs> and so we got out to the turnaround, and we came back, and he's like, okay, you got one more mile. How fast do you think you're going? I'm like, ah, probably like eight-minute pace. And we got back and finished, and he said, your eight miles were, were at 6.30-minute pace. And I was like, no way. He's like, yeah. So it just totally proved to me, like, you disconnect from the pressure of looking at that watch and just let yourself run. Yeah. And I was, you know, I was working hard, but it was such an appreciation for the run. Like, I was there in the moment. Yeah, like, exactly. Feeling it and doubting myself about mile eight, but coming back. And it was just... I think that's such a good experience for runners, like just to leave the watch at home and yeah. just run, get back to like running and feeling how it, how it feels. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's so funny, right? Because like, I, I love that, but then there's also other times like I totally, like I run with, um, I don't love the strap. So I run with Mio. So I just have like a, a heart rate monitor on my wrist. And what's so cool is like, you'll be like, oh, I must be like really high. And then you look at it and you're like, oh, I'm like 129. Like that's, or like, oh, like this, I feel like I'm running really slow. And you'd be like, before the race, I always love looking at it. And it's like 44. And like, you know, everybody around you is like 90, like super stressed Mm. out. It's like such a, like, just nice thing to just like, I don't, I don't really geek about it, but I love the fact that it's there. Like, so you can kind of fall back on it. But yeah, there are other times where I'll just go out and just run and just not even turn it on and just kind of feel my way through the run. And I think that's what's cool is like, if you want it, it's there. If you don't want Mm -hmm. it, you don't have to use it. But I I think your story is powerful. Like that's really cool because like you shouldn't, you, you were 
limiting yourself based on what you thought you're, you should be able to accomplish rather than what your body would allow you to accomplish. And I think that that's something that Lucha was trying to teach you is like, don't limit yourself unless your body makes you <laughs> like, and that's really powerful. And that's something that I, I want to try to do in my training. And like, I think that trying to do like these things that are big and audacious is like the same thing as like, if you looked at it, like if you looked at like, oh, I'm going to go and run a hundred miles and you think of it as a hundred miles rather than I just have to get to the next aid station or right. I just got to get till I see my family. If you start thinking you're 20 miles in, I still got 85 miles to go. Like all of a sudden that's a bad place to be. But if you think, oh, I only have to go 5k and I'm at the next aid station, I'm going to get some food. That's a, that's a better way to look at it. And it's almost like what you were saying is like, you look down and you're like, oh shit, I, I'm at eight minute pace. But if you saw you were at 6.30 pace, you'd be like, oh, I gotta slow down. I'm gonna, I'm never exactly. gonna be able to hold it. Yep. I think that comes with experience, but also like, that's one of those things where you, you learn, uh, and I'm sure that you'll probably like do runs more often now without your watch, just go out. And I actually have a really cool workout. I'm a coach also. So like I have this really oh, cool, this. cool workout that I like to do. And so it's, um, it's an out and back. And so I say, you know, okay, run steady pace, half an hour out. And then you got to come back in like 25 minutes though. So like you, that is a total mind game because like you've already been on the course and you know how long it took you to get out and you know how hard you went. So you can't sandbag it. If you sandbag it, it's easy. But if you run a, a honest pace on the way out, like to come back five minutes faster, that's a legit, for me, that's a like a staple workout and one that I really love. And it really teaches you because you know like, oh crap, like, I'm more than five minutes from the end of this. So I really need to pick it up. And like, as you're going, you're getting closer, but you've, you've already seen the course. So like, it's a really challenging workout, but, and it really teaches you like, okay, you got to appreciate the pace and like, know that like, I think a lot of us, like the difference, like when you look at it on paper, like you tell somebody that doesn't know, like the difference between running seven minute pace and six thirty pace, like, most people would be like, oh, that's not a big deal. But like, if you're actually running seven minute pace as opposed to 6.30 pace, or mm -hmm. um, like even when I'm on race pace and I'm going from like 5.15 to 5.13, that's the difference between finishing and not finishing sometimes maybe is like, and like just knowing that when you're in a race, like if I just slow down like two seconds, like that's gonna cost me, each second's costing me 30 seconds at the end of the race. So like, and that can be the difference between like stepping over the edge and, and putting yourself in jeopardy of not performing as well as you want. And just, so like I've been in groups where like, I'll just, I'll just go off, you know, it's usually it's easier if you run in a pack or cycle in a pack or whatever, but I'll step back and just be like, I'm staying here because this is where I know that I can maintain. Whereas if I go two seconds faster, I'm going to blow up at mile 22 and be like, why did I do that? So, And I think it's so important to feel that acute change in your pace. Yeah. Like it probably would have been, would be easier if you said go out 30 minutes and then come back in 15 minutes. Cause then you just have, <laughs> okay, now I just have to write, run twice as fast, but it's like in the pool, like 
BJ will have us do sets where it's like, okay, do 100 at whatever, 135 pace, and then 100 at like 130 pace. So it's only taking off five seconds. Right. But it's starting to feel, and I think this is the whole thing of like really understanding the feel of what that pace feels like because it's different. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, if you, and getting that race pace feel of like, okay, this is what I can sustain. This is like riding the edge. Um, it's not too fast or I'm going to blow up. It's not too slow where I'm going to really lose everything on it. Right. But but feeling like just, like I said, that acute change in pace and, and getting it dialed in like that, I, it, I also think that going into a race brings you so much more mental strength. Oh, yeah. Because you just know, you know, like, and how, like... I own this. Like, I can yes. run this. Like, this totally. is my... Like, I'll tell clients and, and like I'll tell myself this. Is this is like, this is my all-day pace. Like, I can run this until the cows come home, the sun goes down, the sun comes up. Like this is, I own this pace. Like I might not own like faster than this and I definitely can go slower than this or I, but like I can do this for a really long time and that's what you're saying is like, and you know that like your body is conditioned to do that, right? And. Like that's really powerful when you have that in your head. It's like literally having like a dial and you're kind of like dialing yeah. like in that focus so that you can clearly see, you know, like it's just a tiny little switch of the dial, but you can feel it. Yes. And you know, okay, this is it. This is where I plug in and I sit right here. Right. And that's where the patience comes in too, because oh, it's yeah. so easy to be like, uh, those guys are going a little faster or 10 miles later when everyone's like blowing up like popcorn and coming back and you're like you've only been 50 meters behind them but you see them just like start to fatigue and start to rig and you're still running that comfortable pace like that's powerful like obviously if they don't start coming back then maybe you got to do something different <laughs> but usually it pays off in the end and i think that comes with experience and i've learned that with iron man like um, just, I mean, everybody passes me on the bike. I'm just, I'm just not a very strong cyclist. <laughs> I and know that feeling, man. Yeah, don't feel bad. <laughs> but it can kind of, I can kind of, I don't put a lot of effort into the swim, but I can kind of swim pretty, pretty good. I mean, it's all relative, but so many people, I can swim faster than them. So right. I get passed by everybody on the bike. <laughs> But I know that on the run, I pass so many people on the run of an Ironman, which blows me away because I'm not that fast all over. All right. But And I think it comes with experience. So I know now that when I'm in that race and hundreds of people are passing me, I'm just like, it's all right. Like, it's all right. I mean, you know, you just don't get too, like your feathers don't get too ruffled. But for the new person, like, and for your athletes, maybe they're doing their first Ironman or they're doing their first ultra or a marathon right. and at the beginning where you feel so good because you should because you've trained for <laughs> it and you're ready right. Right, finally. and um, how what do you say to them about letting people go like how do you because it's the ego like the ego will sometimes take over so what advice right. do you give your athletes in that respect well I think uh, I try to uh, take this into myself also I mean like at ultra trail to mont blanc i let hundreds of people pass me i actually usually try to be more uh interesting a lot of the top ladies actually pace themselves much better they have less of an mm -hmm. ego and they're just smarter <laughs> so i just hung out with the top ladies actually for a lot of the race um because they're less 
I don't know, driven by testosterone, I think. Yeah, I know, it's, it's yeah. absolutely 100% true. Yeah. But, like, so as far as, like, the athletes, though, like, I tell them, and I think it's it's cliche, right, to say to run your own race and until you're actually in the race, and then everyone kind of, like, forgets that. But, like, um, my buddy Jason Slarb has a funny saying. He's like, don't be a first-half hero. Like, and I think that was really mm-hmm. clever. It's like... Um, no one cares where you are in the like the first guy to the halfway point unless there's a preem or something and that's what you're after and not trying to do your best in the actual race like it doesn't matter where you are in the middle it's where you end up at the end and especially in these longer distance events like in an ultra it's like taking care of yourself putting yourself in the best possible position to be able to close well and to run strong the whole time and and usually for me what i do is i just try to keep my heart rate under 150 beats and if i do that i know that i'm going to be strong later in the race and so that's where like having a device or something like Mm -hmm. that is really powerful so so that like and knowing where that range is for you like it may be higher for some people or lower but so like if if there's a group of us and i get above 150 beats i just slow down and i don't care and then i think that comes with experience just like you Mm -hmm. said on the bike it's like i know i'll see you later so Mm -hmm. good luck yeah Yeah, get as far ahead as you can because i'm coming right because (laughs) a lot of you are going to be walking yeah exactly i can't believe the um i always say this to bj i'm like bj the the guys that you're racing with like they're all running the marathon (laughs) and i'm one of the like i'm one of the few that are actually running the marathon because that's so important to me is to run that marathon and I, I always, I'm always blown away at the super fit people that I see out there walking. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, ah, like you, you. <laughs> I don't know how they got there. Like, yeah. how did they get to that point? You have, like, what do you always say about the biking and the running? Like, but you bike for what? Bike for show, run for dough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have so right? many That's friends a great who saying, are yeah. about the bike. And if you're a triathlete, you're a triathlete. You're not a cyclist, right? Yeah. So don't you want to do well in the triathlon? It's all about the yeah. run. It's all about the run. <laughs> so I'm, sure. I'm really focused on like building throughout the day, like swim, bike, and get to that run. And that's what I... And be able to I, run on the run. Exactly. Yeah. And run to your potential. And your yeah. strongest being that last 10K. Right. Just to, like finish that strong. Well, and that comes earlier too. I mean, that's like making sure that you're fueling on the bike mm-hmm. and, oh. and that kind of stuff. Because if you're pushing that hard, it's hard to keep the... I mean, the bike is easier than when you're pushing really hard in a run to keep down nutrition but that's an opportunity where you can kind of get in some nutrition you can get in some fluids you can you can pee you can do all Mm -hmm. the stuff and still keep moving you know and Mm -hmm. and that's an opportunity where you set yourself up for success later in the event like where you are pushing and maybe it's harder to eat like you can actually get some probably solid foods and stuff on the bike whereas when you're trying to chomp down a sandwich or snickers bar it's (laughs) yeah on on the run it's not as nice i mean i that's where i'd be hammering like vitargo you know like like getting in calories and and because you're going to need them later yeah and it is it's we've touched upon this a couple times already but it's the patience yeah it's like learning patience like if you want to do endurance sports you know and and ultras and long stuff you got to have patience if you don't have patience then you know, sign up for some 5Ks and sprints <laughs> because that's really where you belong and that would be a great place for you. Yeah. But let's talk a little bit about your nutrition because I'm intrigued about the Vitargo. And actually, I listened to that podcast that you did with Tawny and I remember um, yeah. looking it up after I heard about that. And that was, it must have been 
a couple, a couple years, years ago. ago. Yeah, yeah, a year and a so. half ago. Yeah. 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 So tell us about that because it's not one that we see a lot out there. Yeah. It, well, for me, it works really great. And they've come up with some new flavors, and I'm super <laughs> excited. They have this H2O melon, and watermelon's like mm. one of my favorite go to. Like, mm. Because uh, it's just basically water and sugar, and it goes down super smooth, especially if it's cold. Like I can, I can eat that no matter what. Oh it God. never You're turns in my language. Yeah, it never turns <laughs> into like I don't know if you guys after, after like ten hours, like almost everything starts to look like razor blades. Like they give it to you, and you're like, no, anything but that. Um, but yeah, so I've been able to have good success with it. But it's basically it's a long chain carbohydrate that you mix with water um and it's super absorbent so it's i think two times more absorbent than most things and it's um like 300 calories per 20 ounces or something so you get in quite a bit of nutrition and it's really easy um release um into the bloodstream so for me it works really well especially if i pair that with real food or like in a longer like usually i use that and then soda which is a really easy way to get calories and sugar and caffeine and then gels but that's kind of been the building block of what i eat and then real food like i love bananas i love watermelon if i can get it i love berries um usually you can't find berries on most aid stations <laughs> but usually they have bananas like i think one of the funniest things we stayed at some hotels and they were at like hand out bananas before the boston marathon and they're like i think king kong descended on the city because like so many people like just walk away with like so many bananas but like it's such a powerful fruit i mean you got potassium you got sugars you got just a natural easy like carrier for it like it's i don't know it's one of my favorite things so like the the Vitargo it works super easy and i just keep it in like ziploc bags like they have it in sachets but you can buy it in bulk so it's a little bit cheaper and then i just put it in like scoops in a ziploc bag and then just throw it in my sack like i've been i run for nathan they're um one of my sponsors and so i have like either a nathan bottle or or a hydration pack and so i just put it in there and then grab it when i need it and um there's kind of a trick to how you shake it up but like i found actually um if you just throw it in there and you're just running with it in your like a handheld it just shakes itself into the perfect consistency so at first i thought that would be a problem but it's it's been no problem at all and it seems to work really well for me and it's it's one of those things where you can get um quite a bit of calories in an easy format especially later in the race when you're not really stoked to have to jam down mm-hmm. gels or whatever mm-hmm. so you're so it sounds like you're very high carb with when it comes to race or high yeah no i'm high carb in okay. general like and i did that faster study at the yeah. university of connecticut so i was they paired paired us high carb and low carb so i was the high carb guy so yeah i, I eat breads and pasta and fruits and in your normal nutrition in my normal daily diet like diet. my plant-based plant-based nutrition so i think you guys are also heck yeah yeah, we yeah. Congrats. <laughs> yeah. yeah we try are you like guys a- low fat though or no no yeah we- i was like i don't know i was gonna say no. like i don't know how you do the low 
No way. Low or no. high fat, low carb, and still be no. vegan or vegetarian. Okay, like you know it was funny. We actually tried it for a little while, and we both raced Ironman Syracuse, and we were both like, "Oh, I couldn't even like." Didn't I have energy, and I gave like, in. I was like, "I'm gonna have cola. I'm gonna have some." And yeah, I was like, "Bang!" It yeah, right back. Yeah. Right back. And I thought, well, we could stick with it longer. And I was like, you know what? I'm going back to the way I eat. Like, I love fruit. I love pasta. I love yeah. you know, and, and it works really well for me. Well, and salads good. and like. Totally. Right. Yeah. Vegetables Peppers and, like, and yeah, yeah, I love all that. And um, so I don't really, we don't really count calories, fat, carb, whatever. But I would say definitely in the way that we fuel during races, for sure, we use um, Amrita bars, which are like a date base. So it's a yeah, it's, it's kind of like yeah. my bearded brother's like figs and dates. Yeah, yeah. really, yeah. really Basic. yummy. Yeah. And so um, we were actually connected through Jonathan at Inside Tracker. Yeah, yeah Inside exactly. Tracker. Yeah. yeah, and um, that's something that we recommend to our athletes. And you've used it, right? And oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, I use it all the time. It's super <laughs> cool, and it's like it's random stuff where you're like, I know I'm fit, I know I eat well, but like I didn't know that I had like low sex hormone or like. <laughs> Uh, I didn't know that maybe instead of like I was saying like how much I love bananas like maybe I'm actually getting too much potassium and I should switch to blueberries because that was better for antioxidants and like there's a lot of like incredible um, nutritional advice that you get and just like things that you can tweak that make a big difference like uh, it recommended I get more B12 being a vegetarian like mm-hmm. I that's something that I was really concerned about my iron was another thing and like my iron was fine but like it's one of those things where it's nice to get checked and uh, like just get reconfirmation of like okay I am doing this right or like there here are some things I actually need to work on and um, those little changes like that's the difference between like I don't know if you guys are watching the Olympics before you got on the road but um, like the difference between winning and not winning is like those little things that you can make that you know it's not a big deal instead of eating raisin bran I eat total that has B12 you know mm-hmm. and like those switches are like I don't know. Yeah, you know, I, I work with this meditation teacher, and sometimes, like, if I'm thinking about something or whatever, he'll just kind of look at me with this curious face, like, "Well, just remove the doubt, Jess. <laughs> like, what do you, what do you, what is all this back and forth? Like, just remove the doubt." And there's a lot of people who are curious about being, you know, being plant based, but they're fearful, right? And I was there too. Like, I was fearful at first. Like, am I going to get what I need? Right. But we just recorded. Was it last episode or a couple last episodes Friday. ago how about um, yeah. how to thrive on a plant based diet? And we say, like, you know, kind of go with it, but then do like get the science behind it to back it up remove the doubt right and then like i love how you use it you just kind of fine tune and um and then really then you can really really dial it in to get your best performance well right and it's not just like the performance part of it it's just like being healthy and yeah in your regular life like the energy that you need to like you know take out the trash mow the lawn like mm-hmm. pay the bills mm-hmm. like go to work like the uh, the performance side is great but like i feel like for me it works really well as far as like just lifestyle like also like i feel like i'm getting everything i need and like the coolest part about it to me is like <clears throat> i've been it seems like you guys have been vegetarian probably for a while too it seems like completely vegan for going on five years okay so like i'm not vegan so like i still eat eggs and mm-hmm. um 
I just remove dairy, so yeah. like and honey. But the, the primary, like the foundation of your diet, sounds like it's plants, like oh fruits yeah, fruits yeah. And, yeah. It's basically, it's like I, I work with a company called Sweet Green. <laughs> like I don't know oh, if you guys have been oh, to. We've the, heard of them, but yeah, we haven't yeah. been. Oh my gosh, you guys got to go while you're in town. Like right. I totally will hook you guys up, but it's awesome. Like it's basically like fresh salad and it's like really incredible like high quality and you can choose with everything you want or you can just get you know from the menu or whatever but yeah it's it's really good but yeah i eat a ton of sweet green like i already had some for lunch and uh like or else i'd take you now but like um <laughs> it's um yeah it, it's been really cool but like the the thing that i find most exciting about being a vegetarian and plant-based is like all the things like I would never have found. Like I'm like addicted to hummus. Like I would have never eaten hummus if I was just on a traditional um, Western diet, right? Like it just wouldn't be something that would come across. Like hummus has become more popular now, but like I've been eating hummus for like 15 years now because of being a vegetarian. It's like it's a great way to get you know yeah. what you need like nutrients like it's got some fats it's got protein yeah, and it's good on everything i know right but like <laughs> it's good on avocado everything. like avocado toast is like one of my favorite things avocado in the world oh, with nutri- just, like some new do you do it with like nutritional yeast on top no oh, i've never dude, done that totally we no just, i'm like addicted to malden salt like <laughs> do you know uh, malden salt no oh, i'll show it to you it's in the cabinet yeah. but like i put like that in a little olive oil and you, you smash it down oh you gotta put nutritional yeast yeah, on try it. Nutritional dude, i gotta yeast. try yeah. it yeah <laughs> we just stayed with um linda our yeah, there's a avocado toast T-shirt. Oh, yeah, our nice. friend has this avocado <laughs> toast shirt. I was we like, it's so random. Toast. I love yeah. it. Yeah, but yeah. Isn't it? Avocados are heaven. Yeah, like, and so oh, grateful. you guys are headed to like the Mecca, like California. You can get yeah. it like twelve for a dollar. <laughs> oh my God, you can have trees that grow in your backyard. I know. I, I know. know. Tell me about it. Oh. Uh, all right. Well, we should get wrapping this yep. up. What's up next for you? So you've you've got all these records. You've been you run every day. You've, you're you're putting in um, a race every weekend. You've got your lifestyle going on. What's in, exciting for you in the next six months? Like, what are you looking forward to? Oh man, I'm, well I've got a lot of things I'm actually um, super excited about. I've got the races coming up. So I've got the marathon, the Abbott World Marathon Majors, to try to finish up and set that world record. That'll be another one. So try to set the record for the fastest time for all the world marathon majors: Boston, Tokyo, London, Berlin, Chicago, and New York. Uh, the Elvis World Record. Trying to get my fifth or my tenth JFK 50 mile finish, and you get this cheesy sweatshirt, which I'm so excited about. It's like so old school. Um, I've got um, the seven marathons on seven continents in seven days. I'm going to be launching an online um, coaching um, platform where you can get customized coaching. It's called Squad Run with my buddies out of New Zealand. I just had a meeting with them when we were over in Chamonix. So that's going to be super exciting to kind of give people a low cost but still like highly uh, professional custom schedule. So that'll be like probably just like 20 bucks a week. So like basically the cost of like going out to like a lunch and then you'll have personalized coaching and it can be targeted to a specific. So say you want to do Ironman Louisville or something like, 
mostly this is like run based mm-hmm. at the moment, but you know, eventually hopefully we get branch out into triathlon and some other things. So that's going to be super exciting. Um, hoping to bring a, um, a dog race to the area, which I'm, I'm kind of excited about. So that'll be another opportunity to run with Rosie. We have the Turkey trot with Rosie coming up. Um, most important I, event. Oh yes, of course. <laughs> like she's been training hard for that. And then, I've got um, quite a few. I'm trying to plan my schedule for next year. One of our big trips as a family is going to be a couple, three weeks in New Zealand um, to visit my friends at the Tarawara 100K down there. Um, So that's been kind of exciting is getting that planned uh, with the family, um, trying to figure out like where we're going to go, what kind of they call it tramping so it's different hikes mm-hmm. but like i if you guys have you guys been to new zealand or mm-hmm. yeah so well uh, if you just keep going on your journey yeah just keep going it's super it's only like 14 hours or something from there yes but it's i like it it's so cool yeah so if you get an opportunity you should totally sneak down there and so i'm looking forward to that and then um I'm uh, launching also hopefully coming up some clothing stuff with a company out in California, Boom Running. So we're going to be doing some t-shirts and that kind of like truckers. Avocado toast. Yes, avocado (laughs) toast or like be relentless. Like I'm uh, super, uh, super into honey. So that'll be really fun. And then, um, you know, kind of expanding um, into just all different aspects of like moving on with um with my progression as an athlete i like hopefully like want to try to do a book coming up soon so that'll be kind of cool and then um i don't know like there's there's always opportunities out there so i'm uh kind of keeping my eyes and ears open and figuring out what's next so if people want to support you connect with you yeah um, what's the best place for them to for them yeah to so i have um I'm on pretty much all the social media platforms. I'm on Instagram at Mike Wardian, uh, Twitter at Mike Wardian, and then uh, I have a Facebook page and also a fan page on uh, Facebook, Michael Wardian, on Snapchat, but I don't use it a ton. Oh my God, we, we always we, have this conversation. Same ending. Like, yeah. How do you use yeah, Snapchat? Yeah, I'm on Snapchat, but I don't really know. No, I mean, there is, it's definitely it's a thing, man, for sure, especially for the- I can't the, figure out how to use it. Yeah, it's super easy, but. <laughs> Like, I just like, if you don't, if you don't do it right away, like you can't, you have to do it right away and you have to have internet and some weasel stole my phone. So I'm like on a beater old iPhone. So (laughs) I'm trying to, trying to get my social media game back in action, but like I, I'm going to have to, (laughs) that's a super cute picture. (laughs) Rosie's giving kisses. Um, but yeah, so, and I also have a website, um, Mike, michaelwardian.com or mikewardian.com. So you can totally look me up on the interwebs and um yeah drop me a line cool and we'll put links in the show notes to all this stuff and then i've got one personal question for you yeah, i sure. am being called to do my first ultra and it's just a mini it's a uh, little mini ultra nice. it's the 50k right it's uh, like the, very cool it's the respectable entry point i hope oh uh, no um, yeah, of course any advice yeah where is it mendocino so it's like california right? yeah mendocino 50k oh that sounds like it'll be it's, beautiful it's yeah. amazing like you run by rivers by the ocean through the redwoods like it just it looks amazing and 
and it's all tied around this place called the Stanford Inn, which is a plant-based um, inn. And then the the race director, this is kind of what sold me, is Sid Garza Hillman, oh, who I no love. He's super, he's super funny. Um, he did this video on YouTube about, like, it's called um, How to Make a Frickin' Salad. And he <laughs> talks about, like, when you're plant-based, like, this is not a salad bowl. Like, this is a salad bowl. Oh, like, very anyway, cool. Anyway, I just okay. love him. He's great. So I'm like, I said to BJ, I'm like, I think I'm being called to do this. So You should totally do it. It's um, in April. April. Next April. Uh-huh. Okay, cool. I mean, you have plenty of time to train for it. Like, <laughs> I think if you do Ironman, you should be able to knock out a 50K, no problem, because right. you won't have ridden 112 miles before you have to run the marathon. And there'll be enough time to warm uh, up. Yeah. I need about, I need like a good 100 and something to warm up. Yeah. So maybe, maybe longer distance will but, be in my future. Yeah, totally. I think the one couple of things of advice I could give you or suggestions are um, more suggestions, because you probably don't need advice, but... Make sure you have a good ch- anti-chafe cream. Okay. Uh, oh, that's so So big. I use this stuff, Squirrel's Nut Butter, that I can give you guys some. It's totally awesome. Um, but, yeah, that's something that I didn't think would be a factor, but definitely can be, is, like, making sure that the parts of you that need to oh, yeah. be protected are... And I'm 44, so things are like touching that didn't yeah. touch before. <laughs> well, I'm 42, so I know what you mean. <laughs> I was talking to some guys about that. But yeah, so totally. Um, and then also um, maybe getting used to uh, carrying nutrition with you mm-hmm. because sometimes it's going to be further than you're used to. Uh, if it's, It sounds like it's a trail race, so you're going to be running between aid stations and you're going to have to carry stuff. So like getting comfortable getting a comfortable pack especially as a lady sometimes uh it's it's a little challenging to find stuff that's gonna Mm. fit you the way that you want so just making sure that you have you're comfortable with your equipment and then um if you're gonna carry a handheld just get used to carrying 16 ounces or 18 ounces if you're running uh, a lot of people have gone going to soft bottles that you just kind of stow which is what i would kind of suggest okay that seems like it works really well um and then, yeah, just uh, I usually wear some kind of cap or something to block the sun and just to like keep stuff out of your face. And then I don't know if you've ever tried it, but a buff is always really nice on a trail run. So you can use it as like a like a wrap or you can like wet it if it's really hot. Um, you can pull it up over your mouth if you get caught in a yeah, dust I've storm. Yeah, I've seen. I didn't know. God, yeah. Dust storm. Yeah, like there's a, like or like insects or whatever. Yeah. Like if you're running through like it sounds like you said you're running through like if you get like mosquitoes or yeah. like black flies or something, you can oh. just kind of pull it up over your mouth. So like, oh my god, just getting sounds right. good though. I yeah, like it. totally. Sounds like an adventure. I love this talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. hearing you wanted to do. That. I know. Well, you know, I I I don't know. I'm just being. I do a lot. Just I do everything just on my intuition. And there's something about it that I'm like I think I'm supposed to do that. So I think you'll have a great yeah, time. Yeah, I'm pretty fired up that I just got some advice from you, some guidance. I got a good coach sitting next to me. So um, yeah, I'll well, let you know. Yeah, you're all set. I'm totally. I want to see it. Yeah, totally tied <laughs> right. me. It might, not be pretty, me. might not be pretty, but... It'll be awesome. I'll yeah. get it done, yes. my friend. Heck yeah. All right, well, thank you, Michael, for, <laughs> for spending time with us today. And, of course. Um, good luck in all your ventures. Thanks a lot. You guys, too. It's really powerful what you guys are doing and super cool. So I'm looking forward to following your journey. Yeah, it's a, it's a journey. It's an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Cool. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, it was that so was cool. Great. Yeah, I, mean, no I felt worries. like I could have talked to you forever. All right, that was Michael Wardian. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. He's amazing. 
I can't imagine running a marathon with a Spider-Man costume on. Like it's hard enough to breathe anyway. And then could you imagine having like the spidey eyes and then it, I think it would be like running a marathon in a hot, sweaty yoga room. That would probably is what it would feel like. But you know, this guy really is limitless and I'm so glad to know him because he is a constant reminder to just cut the tethers. Right? Just cut the tethers and see what's possible, but understand that the only way that can happen is when we're present. It can only happen right now. Change can only happen in the present moment. It's the only place it is. The only time that we can take that first step into the unknown is if we're fully present and engaged in what is happening right now. And that is the, the premise, the foundation of riding this high vibe of life. Right. And do you get it? Like the high vibe, like every floor that you climb, every time you look out that window and you can see more from the view, you're raising up your vibration, you're raising up your consciousness. Right. And then fear starts to, it's still going to be present, but it starts to not have such a heavy effect on everything we do or not do. And how does the saying go? You know, when people are on their deathbed, they don't look back and they say, oh, I regret doing all these amazing things. They look back and they see the things that they didn't do. And I don't, I don't want to be that person. This life really is epic. An epic comes with challenge. An epic comes with fear. An epic comes with stepping into the unknown. An epic comes with major joy and contentment and flow. So that's the life I want to live. If you guys are into it, tune in again next week for another amazing guest. In the meantime, look for those stairs in the corner and see where that first step is for you and go ahead and take it because you are completely supported. We are behind you. Every person we have on this show, I promise you, is a cheerleader for you. So live life, no regrets, relentlessly pursue what you love and ride that high vibration. Oh yeah.